Psalm 128. And again, if you're new or visiting, we go through the Bible verse by verse, and we find ourselves in the book of Psalms here this morning. Been doing the Psalms for about a year and a half, and we're going to finish up in 2019 for sure. And then we're going to go into the book of Acts. Been praying about it, and just going to go into the book of Acts. Really want to do the book of Acts. And so uh, we'll go through Psalm 150, and then we'll jump forward to the book of Acts. Father, we... We thank you for 2018, and Lord, we thank you that every day your mercies are new according to your word. And so we just thank you for that, Father. We thank you for being so good to us individually, so good to us as far as marital couples, families. Uh, we thank you, Father, that the calling that you place on all of our lives, whether we're single or married, young, old, children, without children, you have a calling on our lives, and we're called to be ambassadors for Christ. And so, Father, as we open up your word this morning, help us to make sure, help us to understand what that means. Give us a clearer picture this morning, as well as through 2019, that we would be those faithful ambassadors for Christ. For according to your word, things are just going to get worse. And so, Father, we thank you for that. Help us to be there for the downhearted, the brokenhearted, For those who are down and out, help us to be available for your glory, Father. That they might get focused on Jesus, maybe for the first time. Or just to help them walk through this life into eternity, whatever the case may be. Give us wisdom, give us discernment. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, we've been studying the book of Psalms and specifically over the last few months, a book, a group of psalms known as the Psalms of Ascent or Psalms of Degrees, and that's specifically Psalm 120 through Psalm 134. And as the Israelite pilgrims were heading towards Jerusalem to celebrate three specific feast days, they would sing these psalms to remind them of their heritage. And here in this psalm, the family is the focus, specifically addressing the husband. And so again, if you're single, don't check out. Take this information. It's very, very important because I'm sure you know someone who is married and marriage is under attack. The family unit is under attack. And so we need to have some answers for people. Well, what should I do? What can I do? And so Psalm 128 is a phenomenal psalm. So, blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. Now, as you look up that word fear, most of the time, most of the time in the scriptures is going to be reverence, reverence. In other words, a healthy fear. We know that there is an unhealthy fear of God, but there's also a healthy fear. And maybe you need to, as I had to do, debug the program and realize, no, there is a God. He's not the God Father. He is Father God. And so you might need to make that distinction yourself. And so blessed, and that word blessed is happy. It's plural. Happy, happy. Not happy I'm going to Disneyland, because we know how that can mess up. No, happy that I know God, first and foremost. And secondly, that I'm going to heaven. No matter what 2018 held, for those of you who are believers, if you would have died, you instantly would have been in heaven. That's what the scriptures say. That's not a bad deal. So keep that focus as you go into 2019, because we're all going to die. No one knows the day or the hour, but we are all going to die. And so one of the greatest things that could happen is you take your last breath and wake up in heaven. That would not be a bummer. That would be phenomenal. 
So blessed is everyone who reverence the Lord, who walks in his ways. You see, every member of the family, once they reach the age of accountability, and we can differ on that, I would never argue about this, but I, I choose 12 because we see Jesus at birth, we see Jesus at, when he's 12 years old, and then we see him when he's 30 starting his ministry. So I pick 12, and that's basically when the little sinners grew up to acknowledge sin, and I know that I'm not just disobeying, that I am sinning, and if I'm a sinner, I need a savior. So 10, 11, 12, 13, someone in there is responsible for their own walk with the Lord. And we mention this often. And that's why we have various classes for the various ages so that they can understand what that looks like at their age. Make it age appropriate. And so the junior hires know this, the high schoolers, the fourth and fifth graders, they know this. You are responsible for your own walk with the Lord. Coming to Calvary Chapel does not make you a saint. Coming to Calvary Chapel does not give you salvation. Does not grant you a free pass because your parents come to Calvary Chapel. Not at all. For you younger people, you need to acknowledge I'm a sinner in need of a savior and I'm going to accept the faith and I'm going to walk in that faith. For you older saints, it's very important for you that there's no such thing as spiritual retirement. Well, I, I turn 65, I get to spiritually retire. That's up to the children to raise the grandchildren and the other children. I'm done with that. No, you're never done. Never till you take your last breath. Especially you older saints. You have so much wisdom that you can impart to me and to others. Don't hold back. Bring it forward and share that. Now, as we think of the family, which should help everyone in the family understand that they each have a responsibility to do what? To honor, to respect, or have a healthy reverence for God and his ways. You see, the father, as we enter 2019, for you dads, the father needs to be the ultimate example of following the word of God so that he can lead the family spiritually, physically, and emotionally to the best of his abilities. And that is very, very demanding, believe me. Being married for 37 years, four children, the oldest being 36, very demanding, even in their older years. But that's our role, and that's our responsibility. And again, there's no such thing as retirement. Now, yes, they need to go out and make their own decisions, and they need to fall, and they need, you know, they're building their testimony. I can't stop that per se. But I should always be there for them as much as possible as long as I'm not compromising the word of God. Now within the family, there could be those who have a relationship with the Lord, but they do not walk in his ways. So their lives and possibly the lives of the whole family are in turmoil. And when couples come in for marriage discipling, which I encourage anyone to do, I immediately, you ladies don't have to be afraid to come in for marriage discipling. Because I immediately look at the guy and say, what are you doing? What are you doing? And what are you not doing? Because I place a majority of the, the role of the family upon the shoulders of the priest of the house, the male, the husband. Not that the wife isn't doing anything wrong. We know you women. <laughs> but, but, they or the family go from one bad situation to another, refusing to repent and truly fear or reverence the Lord. But for those who choose to walk in his ways, 
They will see the blessings of God in and upon their lives. So blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who reverence the Lord, who walks in his ways. Notice that as we go into 2019. How can I find peace in my life in 2019, Pastor? By being in the word of God from Genesis to Revelation. This morning as I was doing devotions, it tied in perfect in Malachi. No, that's the Italian prophet. In Malachi, the Jewish prophet, it tied in perfectly. I'm not going to share it, but it tied in perfectly with the message, with the family. It tied in perfectly. Revelation, 19 and 20 this morning, tied in perfectly. Guys, read your Bible from Genesis to Revelation. It shouldn't be a burden. It should be a joy. I'm, I'm excited. For two days from now, we get to start in Genesis 1-1. I'm excited about that. And Matthew 1-1. I, I'm excited already about what I'm going to read again. I, I pray that you are as well. Get excited about the Word of God. Because it will bless you. When you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy. And it shall be well with you. And when you think about the big picture, it comes down to the fact that it is the Lord's responsibility to provide the harvest. It is the husband's responsibility to plant the seeds. Just think about it. You see, if you're not out working, how can God bless your efforts? And again, I'm not talking about anyone who might have a disability or an illness or something like that. So don't go to the extreme. Keep it in the balance. Keep it in the middle. In those days, and even in many countries today, people rely solely upon the rain from heaven. We are blessed with modern irrigation, aren't we, Daniel? We are very, very blessed. He's a farmer. He understands. There are many countries that don't have modern irrigation. We take it for granted. And they still have to rely upon the God of heaven to bring forth the rains. There was and still is a healthy dependence upon God for these many farmers. You know, unfortunately, we as a society have lost that healthy dependence for various reasons. Many, because we have a store on almost every corner. But for a large portion of our society, many people rely upon the government, and this is not a political speech, this is just reality, and going back to the word of God. To meet their needs instead of waiting upon God. Estimates, you can look it up yourself, it varies between one in four people in America right now or one in five receive some sort of government assistance. And, and that is great in many regards. And we thank God for that. But in many ways, it's unhealthy. And when I've even talked to some people, yet many are not happy with what they receive but most would be very unhappy if the government stopped their funding altogether. But see, according to the word of God, the best thing for our society would be to stop the handouts and encourage those who can work, who can work, to actually go to work. Because Second Thessalonians 3.10, and there's other verses, says this, For even when we were with you, we commanded you this. And Paul, Paul worked. He was a tent maker. Even though he was in the ministry, he worked. If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. That is totally scriptural. Now again, we don't want to throw everything else out. Praise God. He's given us wisdom and discernment. And we have various wonderful 
agencies out there doing things for the poor. Jesus said, the poor you have with you always. So don't come to me afterwards. I know all that. I know all that. Did you hear what I first said? Would be for, to stop the handouts and encourage those who can work. Those who can work but don't want to. They need to be out working. Okay? That's bottom line. And that's the scriptures. So when you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy and it shall be well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house. Your children like olive plants all around your table. Now the psalmist here uses some common analogies that the pilgrims would have seen as they were approaching Jerusalem. He uses the vineyard and the orchard. As a fruitful vine, the wife's role is to become a blessing for the whole family within the setting of the house. And again, I understand some ladies, some wives have to work to meet the needs of the family. I understand that. Get that. Just saying, ideally, scripturally, it's best if a woman is at home and the husband is providing for the family. That is the ideal. That is the best. Most moms are planted right in the middle of the action. They know their children and all their different personality traits. And yes, each child, all four children of ours, born under the same roof, totally different. Totally different. And my wife picked up on that very quickly. They know how to cultivate them, prune them, and what will also damage them mentally, spiritually. You see, there is no question that moms, whether you're working or at home, so don't get out, don't go down that road, that all moms are the major key to the physical, spiritual, and mental health of a home. Again, just take these principles, keep them in balance, and pray about what can we maybe do differently in 2019? What can we maybe do differently to make something change or to make something happen? Again, I understand life. And as we look at this analogy here, grapes and olives were the main source of the nation's income. And so the children would eventually become the main source of the labor force to bring income into the family. And the family unit was instrumental in carrying on the nation. Yet today, and this is so sad in our country, the family unit is being attacked on every side. You see, the family unit today needs more prayer than ever before. For if we truly look at the overall picture of the family unit today in America, in reality, it has collapsed. That's just reality. And as history has proven over and over again, any society that gives up on the family, the biblical family, one man, one woman, married, raising children, gives up on their whole success as a society. And as you look at our country as a whole, it's very obviously we are not succeeding. No matter what the economy may look like, we are not succeeding in the right areas. And so we need to be praying for the family unit, as the psalmist says. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house. Your children like olive plants all around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who reverence the Lord. Again, notice it goes back to the man. Blessed is the man or the head of the house 
who reverence, who fears with a healthy fear. The Lord bless you out of Zion and may you see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. This sounds like it was probably written prior to the captivity. Don't know for sure, but it may have been. You see, the man who seeks after the Lord is seeking after the well-being of his family. Not just the wife, because a woman does this quite naturally. It's, it's unnatural for us guys to do this. It takes work. It takes prayer. It takes studying the Bible. It takes getting together with other guys. It takes mentoring. It takes reading books. I'm just telling you from my own personal experience. And, and I see this on a regular basis. This does not come naturally. You have to really get in and work hard at it. No matter how society defines the family, he will be blessed. That husband, that father places God first and God will reward him accordingly. Again, keep these thoughts in balance. For these verses are not discussing salvation, but rather human responsibility. And even as our society crumbles, as believers, we have the responsibility to take a stand for the sanctity of marriage and for the physical, mental, spiritual health of our families. You see, the world will call us extreme. I'm an extreme pastor encouraging wives to stay home and take care of their children. That's chauvinistic. You're trying to put women down. No, just read your Bible. The Bible, the Bible, if you read your Bible, if a liberal person would read their Bible, they would understand that women are elevated in the Bible when they read the whole Bible. The Bible is makes it perfectly clear that men and women are co-equal in Christ. The Bible makes that. We don't need civil rights. We don't need amendments. We just need to follow the word of God. And we come to understand that women are co-equal in Christ. But we also come to learn that God is a God of order. And when it comes down to the family unit, the husband is the head of the house. And through prayer with his wife, they make decisions. Through counsel with his wife, they can make decisions. But when it comes down to the the end game, the husband is the one to step up and make that decision. So that he can take the heat and guard his wife and family from those who disagree with the decision. And if you've never had that opportunity, then maybe you need to step up, because I've had that opportunity. And my wife has been very thankful that I was there to take the heat, even though she agreed with the decision. She didn't want to make the final decision because she didn't want to take the heat from her family. Get behind me. I'll take the heat. Your family's not this family. This is the way this family is going. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And that's what we as husbands need to do. We need to step up and take the heat for our wives sometimes. Verse 6, yes, may you see your children's children. So this would be commonly called what? Grandchildren. Grandchildren. And they're great. We should have had them first. I mean, they're just great. (laughs) They are. They're fantastic. Peace be upon Israel. You see, a final blessing of what? Longevity. Longevity. Grandchildren are such a blessing, especially when they are raised in the fear of the Lord. This doesn't always happen in all families, including ours. And this is grieving. And we need to pray for our children as well as our grandchildren, even every day as we do. So you're not alone in this. 
You see, as the pilgrims were approaching Jerusalem for the feast, they would have the whole family with them, many times for security purposes, but they'd have the whole family with them, which may have included grandchildren or possibly even great-grandchildren. And to be able to see the heritage of the Lord. Yes, may you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Peace. Knowing God. Knowing God. And guys, it's no different for us today. What a joy it will be for anyone who follows after this example. So as we start off 2019, men, husbands, fathers, even if you're single, look at this psalm. Study the psalm. You ladies, single ladies or wives, look at this psalm. Read the psalm. Do some evaluation in your home, in your marriage. Say, what can we maybe do differently? What should we do different? What should we commit to? My wife and I do this on a regular basis. Self-evaluation is very, very important. Very important. Well, Psalm 129. Psalm 129 is a song of victory over Israel's enemies. Again, notice a song of ascents. Many a time they have afflicted me from my youth, let Israel now say. Many a time they have afflicted me from my youth, yet they have not prevailed against me. So even though this might sound personal, because it's saying uh, me, it's speaking of Israel as a nation. Israel as a nation. The plowers plowed on my back, they made their furrows long. You see, the destruction of Jerusalem was often referred to by the prophets as an act of plowing. And if you want to write these down, I think we got a slide. There they are. You can write those down. Jim will leave that up there for a minute or two. The enemies of God have tried long and hard to wipe out the Jews. Pharaoh and his army. The Assyrians. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Belshazzar. The Romans. More recently, the Germans under Hitler. And even more recently, Various Arab nations that surround, surround Israel, as well as the Palestinians, of which some, which is totally ironic, but the media doesn't want to put this out there, enjoy the fruits of democracy of Israel itself. I don't know if you realize this, but there are many Palestinians that actually go from the West Bank into Israel to work every single day. And they love the democracy, they love Israel, but they cannot say so because of what's happening in the West Bank. Hatred, hatred, hatred. But that's reality. Not many people even realize that. No, there are many, many Palestinians that love Israel, love the democracy, and appreciate what Israel does for them. There's coming still in the future, according to the scriptures, Iran... Russia and others will attempt to destroy Israel as well. But God has and will protect them through it all. I don't know if you picked up on it last week. It might have been two weeks ago. But when uh, our president said he's pulling out of Syria, there was uh, one sentence in an article that I read which says when he does that, it's going to create a land route from Iran to the Mediterranean Sea. A land route. In other words, soldiers will be able to walk from Iran to the Mediterranean Sea. You can't get to the Mediterranean Sea unless you go through Israel. Another fulfillment of Bible prophecy, guys. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. You see, the odds of Israel being where they are today are astronomical. 
Yet with God on your side, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the odds are against you. You see, with God, you're going to come out okay. And when we look at the church, and as we move into 2019, the odds are about the same. The church has something in common with the nation of Israel. The church has been persecuted and will continue to be persecuted, but the Lord will prevail. And at the end of the great tribulation, described in the book of Revelation, we know two things for sure. Israel will be there. We know that for sure. And there will be a church in the world. The church, we believe, is going to be raptured before the Great Tribulation, but there are going to be those who are going to be saved, and so there will be a starting of a new church during the Great Tribulation. What other nations will be there? We're not really sure. Second Timothy 3.12 says this, as we go into 2019, as believers, as believers, if you're doing great economically, fantastic. But don't forget, first and foremost, you're an ambassador for Christ. You are a believer, and you are to stand out and make a difference for people who are going to hell. We need to speak the truth in love. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Thank you, Paul. I'll make a plaque and put that in my kitchen. That's just wonderful, isn't it? Thank you, Paul. That's the Holy Spirit. This is Paul's final letter that we know of. That's the Holy Spirit warning you and I 2,000 years after Paul wrote this, roughly. Don't think because you're an American that everything's going to be fine, hunky-dory, and you're just going to go to heaven in a peaceful state with no issues. Unrealistic, guys. Unrealistic. Be in the game. Be in the game. Don't be goofy, but be in the game. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 7 through 12. If you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles in the chairs in front of you. If not, ask somebody around you and they'll hand you a Bible. It's very, very important that we study the Word of God. In 2 Corinthians 4, 7, it says this, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. What is the treasure? The Holy Spirit. What is the earthen vessel? Our body. Our body. That the excellency of the power power may be of God and not of us. Notice that. When you are weak. What did Paul say? When I am weak, he is strong. It's not about me. It's about God. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about in the body the dying of our Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake. So as Paul wrote this, why should we be any different? As we have brothers and sisters in Christ in foreign lands that are not different. Don't try to live in a cocoon in America. Don't stick your head in the sand. There are Christians now who are being persecuted. The state of Colorado is going after the baker again. He's had hard times for seven years, and now it's all starting all over again. They're going after him again. In America, guys. He's only one example of many. Be aware. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. 
So then death is working in us, but life in you. Notice that as we go out in 2019, they may be trying to attack us verbally, maybe even physically, calling us whatever they want to call us as Bible-believing Christians, and so it looks like death, death, death. But as we continue to love them and pray for them and speak the truth and, and speak the word of God in truth, it can become life eternal to them. So don't get focused on yourself. Woe is me. Pity party. Just realize, thank you, God. I'm just going to love them. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to witness to them that they might receive Jesus as their Savior. Because that's the most important thing. Verse 4, back in Psalm 129. The Lord is righteous. He has cut in pieces the cords of the wicked. Now, now this was probably written after the Babylonian captivity. God never forsook his people and after 70 years brought them back to their homeland. And their captivity was long and hard, but they learned their lesson. You see, it wasn't God's fault. And as you go into 2019, please keep this in mind. It wasn't God's fault that they went into captivity. It was the hard hearts of their parents that drove them there. That's why they went into captivity. The hard hearts of their parents. But oftentimes, we can bring troubles upon ourselves because our heart becomes hard, cold, callous to the things of the Lord. And then things come upon us, the disciplining of the Lord, and we cry out and say, why, God, why have you forsaken me? I haven't forsaken you. It's called discipline. I love you. You see, the Lord is righteous and his ways are perfect. And so for you and I, let us seek after them with a soft and open heart in 2019, willing to allow the Holy Spirit to change whatever might be needed to be changed. And in verses 5 through 8, as we wrap it up, let all those who hate Zion, interesting, this is modern day Jerusalem, Zion, be put to shame and turned back. Let them be as the grass on the housetops, which withers before it grows up with which the reaper does not fill his hand, nor he who binds sheaves his arms. Neither let those who pass by them say, the blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. Now again, we know from all the scriptures, as the psalmist is saying here, when you walk past someone who's trying to be wicked against you, don't bless them, curse them, hate them. Uh, We know from Jesus, no, we're to pray for them, pray for them. Very, very important. See, as we mentioned earlier on, every one of Israel's enemies were eventually put to shame and will continue to be so, eventually. Those enemies might have thought that they were doing the will of the Lord, but the word shows us otherwise. And in the end, the enemies of the church will see the same result. We will be sitting with the Lord, and the enemies of God will be in outer darkness, suffering their eternal fate. Revelation, morning reading this morning. As the Israelites, the church must suffer, but God will deliver. The enemies of God will not be blessing each other nor praising one another for their victory over God, but rather they will be mourning for their blindness and hatred towards God for all of eternity. Guys, we have the truth as we go out into 2019. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. Stand up for we know what is biblically right as the family is under attack, as marriage is under attack. We have to take a stand. For who? For our own marriage, for our children, speaking for myself personally, for our 13 grandchildren. 
We have to take a stand. You do as well. Father, we just thank you and praise you for this morning. Lord, there is a generation that is being programmed to be anti-biblical, to go against the word of God. So, Father, we want to stand in that gap as much as we can. We know we cannot save anyone. But we also know as ambassadors for Christ that you have called us to be there with the message, to have the feet, the glorious feet of the gospel, to have the hands that will reach out and help where we can. We can't be in all places. But whatever you bring into our laps, we want to be available, Father, for you and for your glory. So give us wisdom and discernment as we enter 2019. Help us to self-evaluate, to look at our lives individually, to look at our marriages, to look at our families, to look at our grandchildren, to see what can we do to honor you, to be that example to the unbeliever, to be that example to the atheist, that there is a God. And that God loves them. That God loves that atheist. God, you love every single person on the face of this earth. We thank you for that, God. You are not interested in religion. You don't love certain religions. You love individuals. And so, Father, as we go out into our mission field in 2019, may we go out with renewed hope of salvation for those who we used to pray for and we've forgotten or maybe our hearts grown cold and we could care less we don't want to pray for them father soften our hearts that we would be that that ambassador that watchman on the wall who's standing in the gap for souls of men, for souls of women, for souls of teenagers and young adults, for souls of the little children, Father, that are finally coming to realize that they are sinners in need of a Savior. Father, we pray for that even this morning in this room right now. If there's one person in this room, Father, who does not have Jesus as their Savior, They're not here by chance. They're not here by accident. You love them and you desire a relationship with them. And as the saints are praying, standing in that spiritual gap right now against the enemy of our souls, for those of you, maybe one person in this room who does not know Jesus personally, There's people around you right now praying for you. They don't know you, but they're interceding on your behalf. And they're praying that your eyes would be open to see the love of God. And that you would commit 
to a love relationship with God via the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. We care for you even though we may not know you because we know how long eternity is. And we want you to be there with us. So if that is you, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you would like to receive Jesus as your Savior, if you are sincere with this, it's not the prayer, it's about your heart. If you are sincere, God will hear this prayer and He will accept you into His kingdom, into heaven. Just pray this simple prayer. God, I'm old enough. I know. I understand. I acknowledge. I am a sinner. And I do need a Savior. So God, I come to you this morning and I ask Jesus to be my Savior. I ask Jesus to come into my life. I ask your Holy Spirit to come into my life to take up physical residence within me. I don't understand this. But I trust you will show me what this all means. Thank you, God, for receiving me right now And that I am now your son. I am now your daughter. And I can now call you father. My father. Abba. Daddy. How sweet. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father, may we all remember our call as ambassadors. Give us opportunity, Lord, this week to minister, to pray. And and Lord, if it's your will, we'd love to pray with someone to receive Jesus in a store, in a parking lot, wherever it might be, Lord. We're your vessels. We want to be used by you. So use us this week. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Why don't we all stand, guys? God bless you. Have a safe New Year's, New Year's Eve. Look forward to seeing you in 2019. Again, Wednesday night, Darrell, Pastor Darrell is going to be teaching Joshua chapter 23, Don't Get Trapped. So we encourage you to come on out for a great Bible study. Wednesday night, 6.30. God bless you guys. If you need prayer, if you accepted the Lord, please come up. We'd love to pray for you. God bless you guys. Let's sing this chorus. You and I are made to worship. And I hope uh, as another year goes by that we think uh, in that
that eternal perspective. Not living for just what we want right now in the moment. But what we want to do for the kingdom. Life is going by so quickly. And I look forward to seeing seeing God face to face and Him saying, well done. And I always ask myself, is what I'm doing pleasing to the kingdom? Or is it just to serve myself? As you get older, the time is going shorter. But even as younger men and women, we don't know the day or the hour when we're going to be taken So I just want to encourage you, have that eternal perspective.